you know, I was sitting there and, and escaping the, the quarantine at my house for um, a little bit and I was walking or sitting outside in um, my front yard and just kind of just like God, you know, asking what do you want to say today? What do you want? Uh, what message do you have for your church? And he was just started talking to me. He's like, you know, we all face situations in our life. You take, take COVID-19 out of the equation. Take life in general. If you have breath in your lungs, there's a point in your life that things get complicated. Whether it is family or job or marriage or bills or life or a, a physical issue, um, sickness or whatever. Um, there's so many times we just deal with stuff. And God started talking to me about the way that we walk through those things and come through the other side. A lot of times, and actually most of the time, is how we perceive our battle or the perspective that we have. Um, I know, I remember when, when in the corporate world I'd have an employee come up and they're just all flipped out and they're all stressed out and they're looking at me and they're telling me all this stuff and I, I don't respond the same way they wanted me to respond because I handled it differently because in my position as a manager, maybe I knew something they didn't know. And they're all stressed out about, oh, this is going to happen. It's like, okay, you don't realize this is what's really going on. And I would explain the situation to them. And their perspective changed and it brought peace. And so that's the same way with God. You know, sometimes we come to him and we're all flipping out. And we're all, God, this is what's going on. And he doesn't react or respond the way that we would want him to because he knows something that we don't know. Um, he knows that his power is so much more powerful than any disease or virus. He knows that his ability to supply all of our needs is about his riches and glory, not my riches and glory. So and whenever we're looking for this miraculous response from God and he descends from the heavens and saw, he's not rattled by this. God didn't watch Fox News or CNN and see this virus hit and fall off the throne in shock. Um, instead, what our job is to do is to say, okay, what is God seeing through this? How do I look through this situation through the eyes of faith? How do I see this from God's perspective? What does he know? that I don't know and how do I get that knowledge um, which it will bring peace and so I want to dig into God's Word for a little bit talk about two different situations that happened um, two different men faced very messed up situations responded very differently one person's response led to his ultimate demise um, and the other person's response led to victory and so let's dig into God's Word and if you'll turn with me to 1 Samuel 13 I say turn if you have um, the YouVersion app or something on your phone, just flip there. If you actually have a Bible, um, then actually turn the page. Um, they actually still do make Bibles. Um, I had to go find mine because I typically use my phone. <laughs> so, um, But we'll talk about 1 Samuel 13. Um, and to catch you up so you don't have to read the first 13 chapters of Samuel here this morning, um, King Saul had just been anointed the king of Israel. So Israel cried out for a king. Samuel said, you don't want a king. Uh, Israel said, yeah, we do. And so God comes out and said, you know, out of mercy, I will give you guys a king. And he chose the best person that was alive for the job. So Saul shows up. He's physically imposing. He's tall. Um, he's head above shoulders, above everyone else. A problem I've never had. Um, I'm typically head under shoulders, whatever. Um, and so Saul physically looked the part of the king. He looked like someone who should be leading Israel. Um, the problem with Saul is why he looked the part, mentally not so much. Um, Saul had deep insecurities and it ultimately destroyed him and, and his king, but also cost his family down the road and we'll look into that. So here's Saul. Um, the first couple verses in, in chapter 13 is Saul's son, Jonathan. Um, now that his dad is king, 
decides to go attack the Philistines. And so he does what a, a king's son does, and he's empowered uh, and goes and um, wages, uh, starts a war with the Philistines, or at least a battle. Philistines don't appreciate this, shockingly, and they rally their army to come and teach Israel a lesson. So we'll pick up in verse 6 of chapter 13, again, 1 Samuel um, 13, 6. Um, it says, when the men of Israel uh, saw their situation was critical and the army was hard-pressed, they hid in the caves, in the thickets, among the rocks, in the, in the pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. So, let's catch up where we're at. Jonathan attacks the Philistines. Philistines get mad. Philistines mount an army to come back and respond to the Israelites' attack. And so the Israelites see this massive Philistine army mounting against them, and they immediately get into panic mode. They hid in the caves and thickets. They hid in the rocks. Some guys even bolted. They just said, I'm done. I'm not going to be in the land anymore. They crossed the Jordan, and they got the heck out of Dodge. So pick up in verse 7. Saul remained in Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. Guys, they weren't, they weren't afraid. They were quaking with, I mean, physically impacted to the point that your hands are shaking. Um, that's the kind of fear that is gripping. You can almost cut it with a knife. It's, it's, just, it's, a, it's oppressive. And so Saul said he waited seven days, the time that Samuel had set. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So Saul said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offering. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? So now let's, let's set the stage. Jonathan attacks the Philistines. Philistines respond. Israelites freak out a little bit. Saul sees all this, sees his army melting away. And sees Samuel, Samuel said, hey, Saul, I'll be there in seven days. The man of God was going to be there, didn't show up on time. And so how many times have we been in situations, and I have, where I'm looking around and things look pretty messed up. And I'm like, God, hey, I really need you five minutes ago. Why aren't you here? And we get impatient. And then what happened, if you really want to look at this, Saul actually had more faith in Samuel than he did God. Because the moment Samuel didn't show up, he never said, where's God? He said, where's Samuel? And because Samuel didn't show up on the exact moment that Saul thought he should, Saul panicked even more. And so, pick this up. Um, Saul said, when I saw the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and the Philistines were assembling, he, he, he basically he said, I felt compelled to offer the burnt offerings. He, didn't, he was scared. And, and Saul, or sorry, Samuel says, you have acted foolishly. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not, will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So Saul was overtaken with fear. And he had every right to be. If you look around, the physical, like what he saw, was very real. The Philistines were probably going to wipe him out. And the natural re reaction to that is a very emotional, fear-based response. And it led him to cross a line that he shouldn't have. If Saul, as the king, had no right to offer a burnt sacrifice or a burnt offering. That was only Samuel's job. And because he stepped out in fear, God said, 
you're not fit to be king, and I'm going to raise up someone who is. And that ultimately was how King David um, came in, in, into taking over, the, you know, as king of Israel, because God said, Samuel, this isn't for you because you're not. You only know how to lead out of fear. And so, how it's so easy, guys. Um, I'm not going to try to, you know, just say, you know, with faith, you know, this is never easy. Let me tell you, faith is a theory until stress happens, and then you find out what you really believe. And sometimes the stress is so overwhelming that it looks like, God, where are you? You're, you said you'd be here right now. And then we do something so foolish and realize God was right there. And the moment we had this aha moment, and I just messed up. And God's like, I was here. And so just it's the difference between learning how to react and respond. So if I react to a situation, a lot of times that's an emotional trigger. Um, my kids made me mad, so I react in anger. Or um, just my boss made me mad, and he told me to do this, and so I react to do something stupid. Versus responding is something a lot different. Responding is taking a step back and, and assessing the situation and saying, okay, what's really going on? How do I handle this? How does God want me to handle this? And let me tell you, Saul reacted out of fear, and it cost him everything. And so we'll look at another situation um, and see how... Elisha responded. So if you look in 2 Kings, there's this man named Elisha. Um, he's a, the prophet, the man of God at the time. And uh, this is one of my favorite favorite stories um, in 2 Kings chapter 6. Um, it says in verse 8 uh, that the king of Aram was at war with Israel. So we going back to another battle. Um, and what happened was the king of Aram would make battle plans in his um, his own, you know, basically he had all the generals and he was making his battle plans and we're going to go attack here and go attack there. And it's so, this is one of my, this is my favorite stories. Um, as he was making plans, God was like, hey, Elisha, um, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go here, here, here. So Elisha would take the news to the king of Israel. Israel would take that news and act on it and move around and thwart the attacks. And so shockingly the king of Aram gets pretty twisted about this um, he thinks he has a spy in his camp it's like who is who's secretly telling Israel all of our plans and someone said it's not us it's this Israelite God is, is telling um, Elisha all these battle plans and so um, Elisha is doing exactly what God wants him to do he's he's being the savior of Israel um, through God's word and it's, it's just it's a, an awesome story but then um, it says in verse 15, and I put myself in the position of, uh, so Elisha has this servant. And so Elisha is the man of God. And who wouldn't want to be the servant for the man of God? You get the, the upfront you know, perspective of all the things that God is doing. And you get to see all the different miracles, all these things. I mean, that is a very awesome position. And so this guy's living a pretty good life probably uh, until verse 15 happens. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up, and went out early the next morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So Elisha's servant wakes up and sees this army sent by the king of Aram, who is pretty twisted at Elisha, and he wants to basically snuff out Elisha because then he can keep on with his battle plans. And so this servant wakes up. He walks outside and thinks, I'm going to die. Um, God, you know, also, where, where are you now? You know, I'm supposed to be serving the man of God. This is an elite position. This is an awesome position. Ah, now I'm going to die. And so he responds like in fear, or reacts in fear. And the response 
from Elisha is so powerful. It says here in verse 16, Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So think about this. We have Elisha and his servant and an army surrounding the city. Opposing army, Elisha and his servant. Two versus hundreds or thousands. And this isn't an 80s action flick where some guy has a machine gun and just sprays the hillside and they all die. So it doesn't look good. Physically, to the naked eye, they're in trouble. And Elisha says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Guys, that's not a logical reaction, but it is a faith response. Because this powerful, powerful phrase next, it says in verse 17, And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So the servant reacted in fear. Elisha responded in faith because Elisha saw something the servant never saw. He saw into the spirit realm. He saw how God was going to fight this battle. And this army of angels with chariots of fire ready to go to war for Elisha. And I think how many times do I make a, a reaction based on fear or lack of understanding. And the whole time there's this army on the spirit realm ready to wage war on my behalf. But I won't let God because I want control or I'm too scared versus stepping back. Because God, how do you see this situation? And so I asked myself, and I was asking God, you know, God, how do you see the situation that we're in right now? How, how, do, you, how do you view this, this mess that we're in? And it says in, in Ephesians chapter 6, and this is a, a well-known scripture, but it's so applicable to today. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So I'm about to get a little Bible school on you. Let's just talk some, some scripture real quick so we can just set the stage here. So God says, put on the full armor of God. Now Paul wrote this, but God told Paul to write this. For your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. He's saying, hey, hey guys, this, it may look like physically there's a war going on. It may look like you're dealing with a very physical issue. Your body may be sick. Um, your body uh, may be not feeling good. You may have a, a the bills are, are uh, piling up. Uh, your work may have just told you that you're not going to get paid for the next couple of weeks. And it seems incredibly, incredibly real. What God is saying here is that that's not your real battle. Your real battle is not against that bill. Your real battle is about the enemy behind that. The Bible says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, another scripture says that Satan's like a roaring lion looking for people that he can devour. So our enemy is on a mission. And let me tell you, his battleground is so in your face now that I think I've ever seen it. But this amazing scripture in Ephesians 1, and I'm going to turn there, um, and it gives us some perspective. So what God did is he tells us who our enemy is. He says that the battle is not against flesh and blood. Um, but then he goes a step further. If you go back in Ephesians chapter 1, it says in verse 19, 
that God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at God's at the Father's right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also the age to come. And God, God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church. So we have in verse 6, God lays out who our enemy is, not flesh and blood. It's against spiritual powers. It's against darkness. But he says in verse er, chapter 1, before it ever gets to that point, that Christ has been seated far above all of these authorities, all these powers. Basically, he's saying, here's Jesus way up here, and here's the battle that you face. That's why we look at scriptures and, and say that no weapon formed against us can prosper. Or we look and say, God in me is so much greater than the God of this world or Satan because my God, Jesus, the Savior of my soul, has been seated in the heavenly places far above. It says every name, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also the one to come. Guys, financial struggles is just a title. COVID-19 is just a title. It has to bow to the authority of the name of Jesus. It's not. This isn't the one thing that's going to trip up God. This is the one thing that, that says, <coughs> excuse me, that God inside me is more powerful than the fear, than the anxiety, than the physical threat. Um, that's the God that I serve. Um, and, pardon me. And God took me to a story of, in testimony of my own life. So, uh, my twins, they're now 13, um, <coughs> when they were born, um, they were 35 weeks. Five pounds, five ounces, and um, basically 35 weeks, there it, it was done. Heather was not going to be able to keep them in anymore, and it was time for the, uh, the babies to be born. <coughs> Pardon me. And so, um, when they were born, everything looked normal. Everything was fine. I held them. Um, they cried, did the whole baby thing, and it was awesome. And we go back to the room, and um, we're sitting there waiting for them to bring the babies. And so, this was our third and fourth kids. We'd been down this rodeo before and we knew what normal felt like. Well, about an hour later, we're still waiting, waiting for our kids. Um, the doctor comes in and says that the twins' lungs were not fully developed and they were in, in distress and so they had to be put in the ICU. And that was a gut punch to hear that your brand new babies, um, tiny little things, five pounds, five ounces, I mean, they were so, so little that um, there was something wrong. And let me tell you, I discovered at that point that there is no no more helpless feeling to see that your babies are are hurting or your child's. I'd rather take it myself. I, I don't, if my kid's hurting, uh, my job as a dad is to fix it. But let me tell you, I can't grow lungs. And so we go in and uh, we look at, we're not even allowed to touch them. Um, they have IVs in their head. They're on breathing machines and probably one of the scariest moments of my life just to see my little babies in that situation. Um, and let me tell you, the fear was real. Um, the threat and all the worst case scenarios that they told us were very real. Uh, but I remember driving home and just crying out to God. I had to leave my wife at the hospital um, because she wasn't ready to be released yet. Uh, the twins were in the NICU. Um, and so I'm just driving home alone and I look over and God starts talking to me. And he says, you see that tree over there? And I'm like, yeah. I said, I designed that tree thousands of years ago. 
and I made that tree in a way that every every year there's more seeds and that tree is replenishing itself and life itself was created from a seed and we've not run out of trees um, the intellect and the power behind that is just mind-boggling and God just so softly whispered in my spirit and he goes if I can handle that tree and do all of that don't you think I can handle your son's lungs and that there's a wave of peace that washed over me because I realized that my son's lungs weren't too big for God to handle they were in the NICU for seven days and they went home their lungs were perfectly fine there's been no long-term impact and let me tell you it's because my God doesn't see that situation as hopeless he sees that situation through his power he goes I, he knows I got this there's story after story after story in the Bible of God looking at a situation and coming through in ways that our mind can't comprehend because it's by his power it's for his glory and it's through his ability not my own and so right now um, this country is dealing with some pretty weird stuff but God is on the throne my God my Savior is seated far above any attack and that includes finances you may have lost your job this week God's got something for you it says that he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory not you you may have someone knock on your door and, and deliver some venison or if you don't like venison maybe he'll give you beef I don't know maybe chicken um you just you never know how God's gonna come through what I know is that he will come through because my God is so faithful and he is so much more powerful than in this mess that we're going through and so as I close this um, I want to read this one scripture um, and just pray that this give you hope um, it's in Ephesians chapter 1 um, it says verse 16 it says I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayer I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparable great power for us who believe um, God's power is so much greater than this and let me tell you the God inside of you the God that created the universe the God that designed this world to thousands and thousands of years ago is in the middle of this storm right with you and so look at the battle through his perspective let his peace and his hope wash over you knowing that he will carry you through and just and in the middle of that rejoice let his joy be your strength set some time aside turn off social media um, quiet all the noise and let him speak louder than the storm is speaking louder in your life I know in my own family we've saturated our house with worship music we've saturated our minds with with his word and because let me tell you, you fight this battle here and don't let the peace or don't let the fear overtake choose faith over fear choose peace over anxiety and let God show up and let God do what he does best and that's work this out for your good so church family what a great message that Matt brought us today uh, there is so much truth that we can apply in our lives today so be encouraged Make sure and connect with somebody, a friend, a neighbor, text them, send up a smoke signal, do something, throw a roll of toilet paper at them. They'll, they'll definitely respond. But uh, go out now and be the church. I saw a post that said 
may the, the church is not closed. The church is not done. The church has been deployed. The church that's in your home and in your neighborhood, wherever you're going, be the church. Make sure and extend the warmth and encouragement. And it says in our hearts in the scripture that we'll be ready to share the hope that's within us. I hope you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I hope that if you've not made that decision, that you'll make it today because he is our hope and he gives us the Holy Spirit, which is the helper for us to have hope when we're run down and tired or fearful. But we're going to rise up, church, and be the church. Let us know if there's anything we can do for you this week. God bless you.